Today for our last episode of this season on, well, not perfect, I have a timely and important episode for you. In response to many recent events involving gun violence, today's guest, Kitty Brantner, went on social media with one thing to say, you mess with the wrong mom. The events following are nothing but heroic and nearly impossible. Kitty, who is a working mom of three children under five, became the lead activist for March 4th in the span of just a few days. She and an amazing group of volunteers started March 4th, two days after the tragic Highland Park shooting on 4th of July. The mission behind this organization is simple, to federally ban assault weapons and to do it right now. I'm not a political person. I'm not really educated around policy. I simply am a mom that wants to protect her kids. And I think that was quite relatable to a lot of people. And so after posting on my Instagram, that I think I wanna go to DC and shout at the top of my lungs that we want a federal ban on assault weapons. Does anyone wanna come? I woke up to hundreds and hundreds of text messages and emails and DMs on the 6th of July. In today's episode, you will learn who the woman is behind March 4th, how you too can have the tenacity to do the seemingly impossible and what to do if or when you get called to join a social movement that lives close to your heart. And before we get into this episode, I just want to remind everyone that these conversations can be uncomfortable and triggering. I recommend you take your time to listen and understand your reactions to this conversation and seek out local resources if you want to get involved. And if you feel overwhelmed after listening to this episode, take a break, do some self-care and be gentle on yourself. With that being said, welcome to the final episode of season three of Well, Not Perfect. Well, Kitty, thank you for coming on the podcast. It was such a pleasure to get to know you in my short time at DC. And I really want to thank you for spending some of your precious time here on the podcast. You know, people heard a little bit about you from the intro, but in your own words, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. And also thank you. And you were such an essential part of of the march itself and and everything around it. So thank you. Thank you. Um, my name is Kitty Brantner. I'm 35 years old. I am a working mom of three kids under five, and I accidentally started a nonprofit organization called March Fourth because I didn't like being told that this was a reality we needed to live in anymore. Yes, yes. I can very much relate to that on March 4th when I was at the Lake Bluff Parade and the helicopter was over us looking for the person. I just decided I couldn't live that life anymore and I had to get into action. So when I saw what you did with March 4th and the instant turnaround that you had, I just felt as if there was something similar in both of us that just clicked and said, you know, either I'm going to live in fear and I'm going to isolate my kids from the rest of the world, or I'm going to take action so that I can live with myself and live in this country. So I get that on so many levels. You so quickly turned March 4th around. It was two days after March 4th. And then the week after that, you're in DC. Can you tell us about your trip in DC and how you got there so fast and how it was just, it was really like in my mind, making the impossible possible. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So essentially, you know, I've just been kind of a skeptic on, on a lot of things, just ask my husband, but I think I'm not a political person. I'm not really educated around policy. I simply am a mom that wants to protect her kids. And I think that was quite relatable to a lot of people. And so after posting on my Instagram 
that I think I want to go to DC and shout at the top of my lungs that we want a federal ban on assault weapons. Does anyone want to come? And I gave my personal email address out and a lot of things that I, you know, mistakes were made probably, but (laughs) as a result, I woke up to hundreds and hundreds of text messages and emails and DMs on the 6th of July. And so while I had been crying since the 4th, of, you know, just tears of desperation and grief and anxiety and and all sorts of feelings. Uh, For the first time on the 6th, they were tears of happiness and and hopefulness of maybe we can do this. And so it's just been that outlook of like, why can't we do this? Why can't they pass this bill? Why is this hard? And with that mentality, we've been able to do a lot of really great things. So the Mm -hmm. why and the how, I mean, the how is 90 plus volunteers that came together in a matter of days and people kind of self-selecting positions, right? Oh, I'm in DC and I'm an event planner. I'm in PR. I'm a lobbyist. I'm this, I'm that. And suddenly we knew, we knew we had to get a permit that day. We got a permit from the Capitol police. We had all of these different things coming together because people were willing to donate their time and expertise to this cause that we were literally building on the fly. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes leadership is the first person who stands up and takes some control over a situation. And it's not always the person that knows everything. It's the person that has the courage enough to raise their hand and then also invite people in to help. And I think the leadership that you showed right off the beginning was one courage and then two trust in those 90 people. Like somehow there was a network that was just designed and created to really wrap around the courage that you had and people got behind a really simple message. And I want to make sure that that message is really clear. So can you tell us about your message and why it is so clear and simple? Yes. Well, the reason it's so clear and simple is because I'm a layman. I need to understand things in easy digestible bites. And so that's, that's what our messaging has to be. And so we have really smart people working on making the complicated, very uncomplicated. Our message is very simple. We want a federal ban on assault weapons and we want it right now. That's it. I think, you know, to your point, action really helps people escape the grief cycle. That was one of the things my therapist said, because I had, I had called her, texted her on the 5th of July, just being like, yeah, I got to You know, my husband was like, you can't go on like this. Like we got to kind of figure out how we're going to cope. And we ended up setting something up for the seventh. And by the seventh, I met with her on Zoom and was like, we're good. I I feel great. I'm fine. I don't feel great, but I feel better. And I'm doing something about it. And she's like, whoa, 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 what? What?" Talk me through this. And then as I explained, she was like, well, that's why, because you're, you're creating action and using, you know, all of those feelings to channel action. And that's how you get out of this place. And so I think it's been that vehicle for so many people. And I'm here from the cheap seats with my kids never having experienced a mass shooting. And I very much recognize that. So I think it's important that not only people who have this vicarious trauma, like me now have being very close friends with a lot of Highland Parkers, a lot of Uvalde families, but also those who have experienced this and are using their voice so that it doesn't happen to others. Absolutely. And one of the things that I've been able to kind of step back and look at because my time in Highland Park was on July 5th through July 11th, I believe. And so I've had a month away from it and just periodic contact. So it's a lot of reflection and hindsight. And what I realize now is that 
similar to what you did, I posted on Facebook twice to ask for a therapist to volunteer. And I said, message me. So my Facebook shut down because of the hundreds of messages. But what I realized is that by asking people to support and help Highland Park, they too healed. And it was no accident that we had 700 and now a thousand therapists volunteer within a six day period and actually had 600 and some be able to volunteer that that doesn't happen easily. And for, for our community to step up and do that, they were healing the therapists themselves and supporting and your volunteers and everyone. I know I came to DC to heal myself because of after Island Park, I needed to see something through. I knew, I knew I needed some closure on a few things and I thought DC was going to give that to me and it did. And I'm so grateful for it, but you're giving people an opportunity to heal their own vicarious trauma through action. And that I think is something I want you to hear because you're still in the middle of it, right? And you're going to have more and more people healing through your cause. And so I just want to validate one, that that's amazing, but two, that's a load that you carry. And I just want to acknowledge that like, it is a very brave and also difficult at times thing to lead. Cause you didn't really know what you were getting yourself into, I assume. <laughs> and I think it's important, right? Like I am not the first person to, to stand up against assault weapons, against gun violence and, and gun safety activism. Right. And, and I'm very vocal about that. And there's so many organizations that have come years and years before March 4th that have done way more work and, and, and way more experienced than we are. And there's many that are doing it right now. And it's okay for there to be multiple organizations working towards the same goal, but doing it differently. Like we can all coexist. And so I think that's also really powerful. But again, I think part of the reason that we're able to create such a community, right? In, in three weeks, we had 20,000 Instagram followers and we raised in five days, we had raised 250 grand to help get Highland Park and Uvalde survivors and victims to DC to use their voice. And I think it's because it is a simple mission. It's we're trying to break it down very, again, in very digestible and easy to understand directives. And at the core, we just are authentic and we kind of are who we are. Like we don't know everything. We're going to make mistakes. We yeah. I, I mean, I loved it. Like when I was, when I was at the hotel in DC and I was, you know, sitting alongside people who were really just in the next, you know, trying to plan the next day and the meetings and the, the urgent information coming in and changing. And it was really remarkable because at the end of the day, they were also just really relatable, humble, kind funny people that were just trying to figure out the next best steps. And it's empowering to look under the hood a little bit and be like, okay, we're all building this as we fly, but that's not an excuse to stop. And I thought that you guys are building it as you fly and it wasn't an excuse to stop and it still isn't, but you have to have changed. I mean, by all accounts, you were quote, like kind of a typical working mom and overnight you've, you've really shifted into this person who now represents that we can all potentially make impact and change that it's not, we don't have to become a congressman or a senator or a president to make legislative change. And I think you made this so relatable. I can tell you, I personally have a friend who is getting involved in a lot of efforts right now, like the Sandy Hook promise. She's doing that because she's seen similar people to her do these things and says to her, oh, 
well, then why not me? Why can't I do this? So what do you think has kind of changed for you as a mom and as a wife since this last couple of weeks? Yeah. I've, I mean, my company, I've been with the same company, have been with the same company for 13 years with sound network and I do staffing and number one, my CEO is a Highland park uh, native and resident and his brother was at the parade. He was uh, CEOs a couple blocks away and he immediately shared support publicly, which is important, right? As a CEO, but as a human. And then as the company said, you know what, take a leave of absence, like go do this, go set this up, go stand up this nonprofit. Like you can't, in 13 years, I have never not checked my email. Like I'm just that kind of person, even if I'm on vacation, like I just don't want to come back to 6,000 emails. I don't know how I would ever dig out of that. And for the first time I was locked out, I had to not do that. And luckily I had so much to do on the other side of things, right on the March 4th side. And I was able to, I was in this place of privilege where my company said, go for it. And I was on an unpaid leave. And I was in a place where I said, okay, it's just a couple of weeks. It's just a couple of weeks. Let's do this. And so what has changed is I think being really cognizant of how time is spent, making sure, and I have a ton of help and I cannot state that enough. And you always have to be willing to ask for help and be willing to say, I can't do this all. But even as something as little as like, okay, I've got my LaSalle calendar, my March 4th calendar, and my personal, my kids calendar. None of them talk. I have no idea where I'm supposed to be every day. Can someone help me? And someone amazing has. And so I guess what's changed is that, but also what has happened only further motivates me to continue because it's working. You know, if if all of this had happened and we didn't get the the house vote even to the floor, it didn't pass. It's not that I would have given up, but the urgency then, because it worked, is even more. And it's not a sustainable urgency. Let me be very clear. Like we all worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the past three, four weeks. And we're getting there. We're getting structure. We're adding more people, et cetera. But it's just this motivation of, yeah, why can't we do this? There's nothing, literally nothing stopping these senators from passing this bill, nothing. So why am I waiting for an election? And we're not, we're going to do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're saying is so important for everyone to hear, because when you find your passion or your calling and it's, it's 100% authentic and within your value system, it matches who you want to be and how you want the world to be it's like the ball gets rolling and no one asked you if it was okay. Like the ball started rolling and no one asked you if it was okay, but here you are. And at some point you have to look around at all the signs and all the people and say, this is going right. And I want to be with it. And so I'm going to be doing it, but there was not a conscious effort or decision. This wasn't a job that you applied for. It was just given to you. Right. And so sometimes there is this all in go big or go home experience. And I think it's really exciting to hear that because it gives people opportunity and hope to believe that what is coming out of these tragedies is change. And that feels so good for all of us to take our kids back to school here in a couple of weeks and feel like there is something coming around the corner that's going to be supportive, but it can't be that easy. And I'm kind of wondering when you have doubt or question your ability, other people's abilities, is this world going to change? Is there something that you do or say to yourself to kind of manage that creeping doubt that you have in your mind? So 
this is going to sound really weird, but I just don't make room for doubt. I kind of just file it under things I'll deal with later. And that has been since day one of this, right? Like there were organizations on July. So July 6th, we started, we were reaching out to other organizations that we knew, you know, probably had similar stances on this issue, but have done this for way longer. And we're like, Hey, you've organized a rally before, like any tips. (laughs) And the response from a couple was, that's never going to happen. A federal ban's never going to happen. You really need to focus on local legislation. And so instead of like letting that sink in and we just said, no, thank you. Like I'll file that under, I'll deal with that later, but no, thank you. We're going to keep moving. And if you're not with us, it's no problem, no harm, no foul, but I don't have time. And so, you know, does, ha, has doubt creeped in over the past four weeks? There have been, it's, it's like when I've been in DC, when I've been in this machine, when I've been in these rooms with jaded politicians who are jaded by experience, it's not a fault. It's just reality. And so they're sitting there like, you know what, this is not going to make it to the house floor. And you're in the meetings like, oh, it's not, it's not going to make it to the house floor. And then you walk out of that room and you're like, hold on. Why? Why not? It's just a human. Like I'm in sales. I hear no every single day and have for 13 years. It means not yet. Like get me in a room with them. Let's try. So the doubt, I just don't make room for it. Like we're going to do Yeah. Yeah. Well, and two, the, the group think, so in a room, you have people who start to think like the Senator in front of you or the Congressman in front of you. And that, that unconscious bias starts to kind of lurk around the room and the group think happens, but to walk out and say, I'm not going to be part of that group think I'm not going to be that bystander effects, which basically means I can't control anything. So therefore I'm just going to watch someone else do the hard work that somehow in your brain, you don't let like the majority influence you. And I think that's a unique, a unique talent that really has benefited the March so far. Yeah. I just think that we have all been victims of that group think I, for many years have all, all I've done and it's not all I've done. It's these causes are wonderful, but I've donated to a lot of these causes Sandy Hook promise being one every town. Like I, I thought that was what I needed to do. And that is worthy action. And I'm not dismissing that, but that's what I thought my, that's where I thought my actions ended because I didn't understand politics and I didn't understand policy and I wasn't an activist. And so it just takes questioning. Well, why? why are they saying this is this is hard and just continuing to push back and again i'm kind of good at that and my husband would tell you the same thing it's just you, you know there's a level of impatience and a level of you know this generation of women who hasn't fortunately been told no a lot or they're used to having to push back and make space and so that's what we're doing and it's not just yeah. clear it's not all women and it's not all parents like the the community of volunteers is humans. And it's, Mm -hmm. that's why it's like, we're all at some level. We all want to be able to go to a movie theater and not look for the exit. Yeah, I agree. And I, it's interesting that you say like, there's certain people or women that just push back on the nose and decide to take action because I may or may not be able to relate to that. But I do think that once we realize that a no is a not yet, or it's an opportunity to find a new avenue, but not to give up. It could be really powerful because if, if not, then we do get this group thinking of, well, we have to wait for elections. We have to vote. We have to have money, all these myths that people have put in front of us that are really just 
barricades or barriers to getting crap done, right? Throughout my 10 years as a therapist, I've learned a thing or two about growth. I've had the honor of supporting clients and becoming more resilient people, overcoming obstacles, and achieving their goals. What I've learned through this process is that there are five essential steps in every growth journey. With the goal of making personal growth accessible to all, I use these steps to create a planner series so that anyone can work on their growth anytime and anywhere. Each step includes pages of insight and skills from my personal and professional experiences and ends with 30 days of space for you to practice what you've learned. Personal growth isn't a quick process, but this series is designed to make it easy and fun. Learn more at www.simplybecounseling.net slash planners. And be sure to check out the subscription option, which gets you a planner delivered to your door every month for the next five months. Since you're a Well Not Perfect listener, you can get 10% off on any order using code WELLNOTPERFECT. There's no better day than today to tap into your own growth and resiliency. Okay, I'm going to ask you another question. So I, for one, believe that action can change the world. And now I'm sure that you do too. What do you want to say to people who are listening and question if their actions, small or big, can make a difference? The House vote was, well, let me back up. I, I like anecdotal evidence. And so there was a bill introduced by Representative Cicilline, and I'm saying this all in like the verbiage I've learned. Basically, a guy in the Senate, or nope, not even, the guy, a guy as a, a member of House of Representatives created a bill that was a federal ban on assault weapons. He introduced that bill to the House of Representatives in March of 2021. And what did it do after that? Nothing. It sat in a pile of paper collecting dust for a year and a half until people used their voices, not only physically in D.C., but via phone calling their representatives off the hook. And suddenly there was a, "Mm, I think we got to do something about this. And suddenly we got the markup and the markup was, is basically step one to being able to vote on it, to vote on it, to pass it. And so that's what I would say, you know, then the, the vote begins to be called and we're told that Thursday, oh, there's a stall. We're going to do it at the end of August. Like when we get back and we activated all of these voices to, to call Hoyer and Pelosi and say, no, 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 do it right now. And that was Thursday. And guess what happened on Friday? The vote was called, yeah. it was passed and there was triumph. And it was, it's, I have chills. Like it does matter, but I didn't know how to do that four weeks ago. And it's not because, you know, it's shame on me for not being educated about how to do this and not understanding that my civic duty is, is a responsibility. But secondly, like, why is, why do we make it so hard? So our team's like, why don't we do, one of my friends saw our Google spreadsheet of house of representative names and numbers. And she's like, Hey, just some feedback. What's preventing me is that I'm writing down the number and then like my newborn spits up and then I, I can't find it and I don't make the call. So why don't you do click to call here? I did it for your spreadsheet. And we're, I'm like, oh my God. So all you have to do now is open it on your phone, press a button and it dials it for you. Like there's no excuse to not call, but it yes. was. Yes. Yeah. I agree with you. So I shared all of those. And then I made my own click to call to go over your click to call. Yeah. Cause once you share the link doesn't yeah. work. So I like did my own click to call over that one to like, yeah. get it. 
And I love when you post and you say like, show me your Senate calls. I think that's really powerful just to show people like that there's, that there's a lot of work that goes really right behind it. So yeah, one phone call obviously makes a difference because in one day Hoyer and Pelosi said that they were going to go on recess. And then I believe they somehow kind of reversed it and got it back on the floor and got, got all the things made. And also Cicilline, he did an interview on every town and it was really motivating and inspiring to see him explain like where he's coming from and everything. So I was really, I was really excited to see that. So last, maybe last question. I always have more questions, but I'll just hold it to the one. So if people are listening and they're aware or not aware, what is the first step that they can take to support your efforts? It's super simple. It's following us on social. I'm hopeful that maybe by the time this goes live, our website will be live. So I can tell you that, but if it goes to nothing right now, it's because we're working on it, but it's www.wemarchforth.org. And fourth is as in 4th of July with a U, but our handle is March 4th. That's March underscore fourth underscore for Instagram. There's tons of action items for Facebook, for Twitter, for LinkedIn, like just follow us because that is where we are posting content and how we are helping to activate voices. So if you're like, what do I do? Don't worry. There's a lot of things that we're sharing and we will soon be posting our Senate strategy because I think transparency is important. And I don't care if the opposition knows what we're doing, we're going to do it either way. So we're going to share that in like very, you know, pretty and actionable and easy to digest graphics and and things like that. So all of that is coming, but if you follow our social and eventually our website, you will get that information. Lovely. Well, thank you for being on this episode of, well, not perfect. And we all will be watching. We're very excited to see where this goes and we wish you just nothing but the best luck. Thank you. And thank you for your work and your support because it matters a lot. Of course. Thank you for being on another episode of, well, not perfect. Thank you for listening to season three. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting the subscribe button and consider leaving me a review. And for more information, all things podcast, you can connect with us on Instagram at well, not perfect.